Welcome to another edition of Talk Your Exposure. We are joined today by Keza Keen, who is a dual citizen of Canada and Jamaica. He currently plays professional basketball for Le Mans Sarthe, excuse the pronunciation, of the LNB Pro A. He played college basketball for the Illinois State Redbirds and the Cleveland State Vikings, which is Division I NCAA. After that, he returned home to Ottawa to play for the Carlton Ravens under Dave Smart. Not to mention, he's also played for the Canadian National Basketball Team. On top of that, the Raptors 905 G League team. We're very honored and privileged to have Keza Keen into with us today. And we're excited to share this interview and share this show with everybody that's tuned in and listening. If you have not done so already, subscribe to us on YouTube under RWI Basketball, Spotify, Apple Play, Google Play under Talk Your Exposure. And enjoy every episode that are coming your way. But for right now, enjoy K. Zakin. There we go. We got it started. We got it going. You know, we just got the cue saying that the recording has now begun. And today we got a special one. But before we get to our guest, Devontae, man, what's popping with you? Talk to us about what, what happened earlier today, man. I'm good. First of all, to answer your first question, obviously we had a special guest today, Katie the Magician, pop up on our IG live show. Great flabbergasted the whole nine i could elaborate about what he did at 18 years old glad to have him but like you said we got a very special guest today and i'm ready to start the show hey well me too man you know there's somebody that i i, I actually just physically met him last week you know for the first time heard a lot about him you know through, through our mutual friends my assistant coach with rwi you know troy but today we got somebody who is who he claims is better than troy than, than troy so we, we we got we 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 got uh, Kaza Keen in the building, man. How you doing, bro? Good, man. Appreciate you having me on. You had to throw me, you know, with the blast about Troy, but, you know, I'm glad I'm here. I'm, I'm glad we can do this. Finally found time to get on the same page about it. So um, I'm excited for it. Man, for sure, for sure, for sure. Honestly, man, you know, like you said, man, it's been a, been a while. We definitely were trying to get you on for about a couple months now, but we're happy to have you on now. And thank you for giving us some time to talk to, talk to us today. Uh, I, want, I want to dive right into the show, though. I want to ask you, though, you know, obviously – 2020 was a tough year for everybody, mentally, physically, emotionally, and even financially. But with things coming back to normal 2021, how has this year been for you? Uh, it's, been a, it's been an interesting year. You know, uh, this year is basketball-wise. Like, we were stopping and going a lot with the season, and everything kind of was just on edge. And uh, me, I was dealing with a decent amount of injuries. I think the season being having to go stop, go, didn't really do well with my body and and things like that, but you know, by the grace of God, we got through it, and uh, I signed a, uh, an extension with my club, so that was really nice. I had that security going into my second or going to second year there. Um, you know, so it was just a really good year overall in that sense. You know, like I learned a ton, not even just basketball, I was just in life. Uh, finally purchased a property, so that was really big for me. Like things like that kind of started clicking together. So. Um, obviously it wasn't great for society and for the world. There was a lot of uh, heartache, but I'd say for myself, it was a learning year, and I'm glad that uh, I had to experience that. They, they, they said that this year, if you didn't come out of the pandemic as a better person, a smarter person, a richer person, then you didn't take the, the proper steps during this pandemic, you know, during that time. And obviously for you, you were able to invest in, a, in your first property. Talk about that process in general, about how people are able to or should have taking this time to be able to invest in themselves? Oh, uh, yeah. For me, I kinda, I'm kind i very, you know, uh, self-aware, and I like to stick to what I, 
I want to improve consistently. You know, I've been taught that, especially when I after Carlton was like, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. So you got to find how you can get better daily. And with my investment, it was just something where like, you know, since I started playing, I was like, okay, now I know I want to get into investment property and then buy a property that I could rent out and, you know, get near my university, get near Carlton or Ottawa U. So I kind of been working on this for some time. And then there was a property that went up right down, that was going up right downtown. We all clicked together and I talked to my real estate agent and we just put it all together. And here we are, you know, uh, basically got it done and it's going to be done in next summer. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, it was definitely one of those ones where it's like, I had to sit back and say, okay, like you could either take this two ways, you know, you're stuck in the house. Yeah, but you can still get better. You can still focus on how you're going to move your money, how you're going to continuously grow in other aspects, not just basketball. And I think that's what helped me kind of get through it with the right mentality. Hey, congrats on that. And shout out to Carlton for, for being able to, you know, uh, give you guys some more insight and use that to your everyday life as well, which we're going to get, we're gonna get into later on and talk about the Carlton life. I got one last question for you, then Devontae, take us away with the game. But I want to, you know, they say that right now, they a lot of the, a lot of people have compared this pandemic and compared everything going on to a movie. What would you compare this this whole scenario to? Uh, a movie is actually interesting, an interesting way to see it, you know. But uh, yeah, I'd probably say I'd agree with the movie. But this one is just one where it's like usually a movie you can kind of tell how it's gonna end, you know what I mean? But this one we don't really know anything that's gonna happen. You don't know. And it just it just keeps, you know what I mean? Something different. So this movie is just something. I think Marvel might have wrote this. Like, it just pops up another <laughs> nowhere, like some Thanos, you know? So <laughs> hopefully it gets to a point where we could, you know, figure it out and, and get to a point where we get back to some type of consistency. But, yeah, I would say a movie is probably the one that I would kind of compare it to. One, one, one quick question I want to ask you, and then, and then Devontae, it's on you, but one thing I really want to know. Are you a Marvel guy? Yeah, yeah, I've, I'm very into it. I've watched. Uh, last year, actually, I watched it again, all from, like, beginning in chronological order, and then all of Damn. that, like, yeah, we do, I do it pretty big with Marvel, and, like, so a lot of my team, especially my team is growing up, like, me, Troy, Macau, we're all into that, like, who's the strongest superhero, and stuff like that, so definitely into it a lot. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> well... Before I start into my questions or dive into this, if you were a Marvel character, who would you be? You got to ask now. So if I was a Marvel character, I love Ant-Man for some reason. I don't know why. I just love Ant-Man. I love that. And uh, I love Kang. That's in um, Loki. Like, it's been in recent Loki. But, uh, but I'm actually, like, my biggest superhero is DC. Like, I love... Um, Batman and I love Nightcrawler. Like I've been a huge Nightcrawler fan since I was a little, little, little kid. That's, so that, that's kind of like my big ones. I like that. I like that. Not a lot of people would say that. Not a lot of people know who Nightcrawler is. But let's talk about Canada basketball right now. We've just gone through the Olympics. You've had a prestigious career with um, Canada as well. Now I'm going to ask you, Kaysen, if you had to put a starting five together, you at PG spot, how would you fill those other four spots with the people you've played with? Oh, with the people I've played with. Okay, so I haven't played with a lot of, I haven't played with all the NBA guys yet. So I'll take the guys that I have played with. I would have. I like, I like, I like what he said there too. He's like, he's like, I haven't played with all the NBA guys yet. 
Pikachu is gifted, guys. Pikachu is gifted. Yeah, yeah. So as of yet, I haven't. But um, out of the ones I have played with, I would have me at the one. Uh, I would have Lugansk Doria at the two. Uh, I would have Andrew Wiggins at the three. Dwight Powell at the four. And Kelly Olenek at the five, probably. Okay. Can't, can't argue with that at all. Now, we just went through the Tokyo Olympics. Obviously, Canada wasn't able to qualify. What is the next step for these guys to get there and make a solidified run? As we have, we can have a pretty complete roster by these four years that come back around. What's the next step if you could fill a void in there? First is just a little bit of luck. So we need a little bit of luck no. with contracts, making sure guys uh not in contract years. So, for instance, we should be able to have Shea now because he signed a five-year deal and the Olympics would be in three years. So that's really important. Um, same with Jamal. You'd be able to be participate with health. Hopefully everybody's luckily and we're all healthy. Um, I think second is having a committed group that's like uh, for the next three years, you know, they're going to consistently play, or not them, but all of us are going to consistently play and practice and get an opportunity to grow. Because I was listening to, actually, on my way up to Ottawa when I was coming back to the podcast, and I was talking about the Redeem team, and they were talking yeah. about um, how Colangelo, the GM, basically said to these guys, like, listen, this is a three-year commitment, you know, and he had to get LeBron, Kobe, all these guys to commit to three years to basically know, you know what I mean? And it's like, if those guys have to do that, you know, we need to do that too because we're not as talented at this point as those guys are. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So we need to create a culture that permits. And then you watch the teams that are doing well, that are Europeans, like the Slovenias, the, you know what I mean, the Spains, the Frances. Those teams, they they're, they believe their countries. Like when I'm in the locker room, you know what I mean, in France, those guys bleed French basketball. Like that's more important to them than yeah. their pro careers, you know? And I think that's what we need to build. Lastly, the culture where it's like, no, like Canada basketball, it's an honor to represent this country. You know what I mean? And I've always said that for me, whenever I'm called to play, I go because, listen, my grandmother moved here 30 odd years ago with no money in her pocket and just an opportunity. And now she has 30, 40 grandchildren here that have been raised in this country. So this country has given us all a great opportunity, you know? It's like we need to see it that way that, not just, oh, this is just, oh, it's, I got a little downtime on the play, but no, this is an opportunity to represent the greatest country in the world. So until we get to that point, I think it, it's going to be a little harder, but I think we're moving in the right direction. I think guys are starting to buy into that, and that's that's the main thing. No, that was, that was a great point. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to emphasize on anything in this younger generation, but we got a lot of cool guys in general, right? I like to be, I'm born in 96, so I'm the youngest of the three. But I like to believe we got a lot of cool guys coming up in this generation today because we don't we don't look at it as if uh, it's uh, the way you just put it right. Our ancestors, our your grandmother came over here, provided a, a way for us. And, you know, we got to start looking at it like that or have something of a, um, a point on our back. But I want to transition and talk about you a little bit in your game for people that don't know you. What I want you to do. So I want you to give me two NBA players, and I want you to say, you know, I'm a proto. If I had to match two players together, this is my prototype. Um, I would say I'm a prototype of Chris Paul and 
Mike Bibby from before, back in the day. Mm. Remember Mike like Bibby. Mm-hmm. So I would say those two kind of mixed together. Um, Mike Bibby was my favorite player growing up from when I was like a little little kid. Like that's what I wanted to be. You know, I had like, I have all I'm, the I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry to cut you out, but people don't realize how nice Mike Bibby was, bro. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they yeah, don't yeah. realize how nice this guy was. Sorry, bro, but that, that, no. that's shout out to you, man, on that one, because because Mike Bibby on Atlanta, tough, tough. Yeah, even on, yeah, even, yeah. even on even on Sacramento, bro. Anyways, so I could go out and bomb yeah. Mike Bibby all day. I apologize, bro. No, no worries. Yeah, I like when people really know about like Mike Bibby. You know, it's actually funny. I'll tell you a quick story about how obsessed I was as a kid with Mike Bibby. I met Steve Nash, and I went to go work out with him. And the whole workout, I'm like, yeah, this is two-time MVP Steve Nash, like probably my second favorite player in the NBA. And the first question I asked him was, how real, how good is Mike Bibby? That was the first question I asked him. Like, <laughs> is he really that good? You know, I was like, Mike Bibby's so good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's good. And this is the two-time MVP, you know, <laughs> and I'm asking him, <laughs> Mike Bibby. But, uh, but yeah, I really liked those two styles of games. And I think that's what I tried to emulate my game to be, you know, like very good leaders, shoot the ball. Uh, can play in the pick and roll really well, defend. Um, yeah, and I think that's what I've kind of molded my game after in the European style more, but those two for sure. You just you just said the European style. What I'd like to ask you is because we can't ask a lot of people here. We have the honor and privilege of asking you. You played with NBA guys. You played the NBA game. You've also played the European game, the FIBA game. What are the major differences for the people that don't know between these two games and what it looks like in today's game? Okay, first I'll give you what I think, that, like players-wise, what's the differences. In the NBA, you have the first, the superstar players, the A-list superstars, and they're just like way better than everybody else, like Kevin Durant, James Harden, you know what I mean? They're just at a different level. Then you have the middle of the pack who are probably very, very, very good role players, you know what I mean? And they could be pulled, like substituted in and you know what I mean they're just kind of supplementary of who their best player is like you know Giannis and like whoever supports Giannis and then you have the bottom tier guys that are maybe you know from 8 to 15th on the bench and to be honest with you you could you could substitute any of those guys with any high level European player and there wouldn't be no difference it's the same thing you know but I think what gives those middle level guys an advantage or those other guys an advantage is just naturally athletic and abilities that we don't really have and why I could say that is because when we played the USA, and this is when we played their, like, B team, there's, like, you know, they're not their main guys. Still really good high-level players. Jason Tatum, uh, Kemba Walker was there. You know, like, very high-level NBA players. It was just little things that they had naturally that I was like, damn, like, dang, that's what makes them that good. You know, like, I remember, you know, getting a little technical, but for me to be in help side, I have to be – in the charge circle because I'm not long, long enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not athletic enough to then get outside to take a charge. But a guy like Donovan Mitchell, he could be outside the lane line and he's still quick enough and long enough and athletic enough to get across the lane and block a shot, you know? So I think mm-hmm. that's what makes the little difference between the NBA and European basketball. But then when you add uh, the rules and stuff, it's a hundred times more physical, you know, like, some of the calls that they get in the NBA, I can't even watch anymore because I'm like, if I tried to do that in Europe, they would just laugh. The ref would literally just laugh and be like, no, play on, you know? Um, that's just, you know, physicality is a huge one. Obviously, there's like, you're allowed to take the ball off the rim. You're not allowed to call live ball timeouts. 
things like that kind of are, are different. But I think just the biggest difference between NBA and European basketball players is just natural given abilities that some of us aren't allowed to have. Well, and we, we've never had that take on here. So before I thank you, and I appreciate that because that's a huge point. I'm going to pass it over to Stevie. You probably won't hear from me until the end of the show. <laughs> hey, kids, I want, to, I want to ask you, though. Obviously, the national team has been one of many accomplishments you've been able to talk about, you know, um, be able to play for, for the U19s, be able to play for U18s, be able to play in that whole circuit for your, for your, whole, your whole career. But I want to ask you, though, you were able to complete a dream that not many kids, especially Canadian kids, can say that they have done be able to do. You signed a Division I scholarship at Illinois State. What was that moment like for you? It was surreal. You know, I remember when I was in the, going into ninth grade, my dad sat me down and he was honest and he said, listen, financially, we probably won't be able to pay for school. So, you're, you know, it's, you're probably going to need to get a scholarship if you want to go to university. So being able to fulfill that was something that was, you know, and I had my sisters to kind of guide me through it. They both played Division One. So it was easily like, okay, I just followed this footprint and I'll, you know, hopefully be able to put myself in that position. So, um, you know, it's an honor. Like, I got to give it to my parents. They raised three kids and all three of them earned scholarships to go play divisional basketball. So, you know, I think a lot of it is on them and the sacrifices they put into us. You know what I mean? My dad, when we were little kids, would wake up at 6 a.m. to run with us to go to the gym when we were in fourth grade, third grade. You know what I mean? So... I was just kind of following the footsteps and the path that was led for me. And somehow I was able to be successful with it. Shout out to mom and dad. Shout out to mom and dad, man. Because obviously, you know, you, you sound like you have a great foundation. But I do got to ask you, though, off script for a second, between you and your two sisters, who's the best one? All the sisters <laughs> the best out of all of us. It's not even close. Like, if my, if my older sister, if my older sister was in the same era now, she would be like the, you know, like these, I'm not trying to disparage the girls that play now. Like they're all, I think they're talented, but it's not even close. Like the things she was doing at that age is, it's, it was ridiculous to me, to be honest. Like, you know, she won um, Big Ten Player of the Year, went to training camp for the WNBA, played in the Euro League. Like, so until I get to that level, it's, she'll, she'll definitely be the best out of all three of us. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I got to ask you, though, what sealed the deal for Illinois State? What was it about Illinois State that you looked at? And when they came to you with that contract, you're like, you know what? I have to go here. Like, this is definitely it for me. Honestly, I was very naive with recruitment, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I took two visits, and I committed on both visits. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I took a visit to Rhode Island. And I went there, and they had switched coaches. So I committed with the first coach, and he left. And the second coach didn't really know if he wanted me. So then that scholarship dropped. And then I was switched class. So I was supposed to graduate in 2013, and I switched. I skipped a grade, and I graduated in 2012. Mm. So when I did that, a lot of the universities dropped off. And like I said, I was a huge Mike Bibby fan, so I wanted to go to Arizona really, really bad. And they were recruiting me for the 2013 class. But then when I switched to 2012, they were like, we don't want you for this class. So a lot of my like offers and scholarships kind of fell through. And mm. then I went on a visit to Illinois State, and it was like, the, you know, it was the person that basically wanted me the most. Like they definitely like rolled up the red carpet. And as a young naive kid, I, you know, <laughs> you want to feel that love, you know. But in reality, I should have taken more time and took all my visits, communicated better. 
because, you know, it's a very big decision. And I think at that time, I didn't treat it like such. I was like a little naive, like, oh, I want this scholarship offer. I want to post it on Instagram, you know, or whatever it was back then. Doesn't all that doesn't matter, you know? So I, I personally, I don't even think I made the right decision, but I learned from it. And it was, uh, you know what I mean? I learned a lot from it and I learned how to grow and how to become a better person. Basketball-wise, I don't think it was a great decision, but I think as a human being, it was a great decision for me to like meet new people and, and learn and grow. I think maybe another factor for you too was that talk that your father had with you in grade nine. You know, listen, you know, this is the financial aspect. If someone's coming to you with a full ride, $40,000 a year type scholarship, you're like, well, <laughs> I know what I need, you know what I'm saying? So let me sign on the dotted line too. Not saying that it was exactly what it was, but that could have, you know, do you, you think that could that possibly played a factor in it as well? Yeah, any anytime anybody's giving you an opportunity like that, you're definitely a little more, you know, excited about it. But I think to be com like completely, you know, me, I'm an honest person. It was it was definitely more of like they just showed me they were showing me a love that I wanted and at that time it's not what I needed. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I needed honesty and I needed listen you can come here you can work your your tail off and we'll see what happens but they were giving me the like oh like you know you're going to be our main guy and da 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 and it's like mm. you know I don't think in reality I don't think unless you're Andrew Wiggins or one of the best players in the world you're going to get that right off the bat you know so uh, but like I said I learned from it and I grew a lot from that uh, so Sounds like a female that kind of wants you, you know, but won't won't ever give you give you the real. So you know, definitely, definitely not, <laughs> not a good one at the end. But um, no, I I, I gotta you know, obviously you you were able. To, they showed you some action. You know, they they started you with ten of ten of you came to that in ten games as a freshman. You started. Was it expected? Was, did it come with that contract, or was it one of those that you just worked your ass off during that time and and you know you decided and they decided to put you in the starting lineup near the end. No, and that's the thing. I don't think, like, when I say it was bad, or not bad, I should say, like, it was a learning process. A lot of it was on me, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't good enough yet. Like, that's just completely honest. And I came in with the mentality as I thought I was already good enough. So, I think I started off the season really, really well. And I was playing really well, and I got hurt. And that kind of put me on, like, an you know, all backspin. And then uh, that fresh, my first year was really well, and then a lot of guys transferred out and – um it was just kind of me that came back and I went in with the same mentality. Okay, like I'm going to try and, you know, do what I have to do. And at the end of the day, at division, at any school, it's a, it's a business. You know what I mean? They, you need to perform and they need you to perform to help their situation. And I wasn't performing. So I kind of understood that and I respected the decision when they basically kind of like told me, listen, you can come back, but you probably won't be playing as much. You know what I mean? And, mm. That was my choice to then say, okay, do I want to stick with this situation or uh, move on from here? And you know what I mean? I just didn't think I was developing at the rate I wanted to as a basketball player. So uh, I decided to move on and love that place. You know, still has a special place in my heart. But yeah, it was just like, like, like you said, like I kind of, like I said, I kind of wasn't as good as I needed to be at that time. So. Oh, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. But I do want to ask you though, and, I, and I'm I'm confused about this. I never I never played Division One NCAA, and maybe this is a question for both of you guys. You know, but in your sophomore year when you were when you were at Illinois, say so you played in the CBI, the College Basketball Invitational. What the hell is that? <laughs> it is basically for the teams that don't get into the NCAA tournament. They don't get into the NIT. There's the CBI and there's the CIT. They're basically like two paid tournaments that the university pays to go into 
And it's honestly, it's the randomest thing. Most seniors don't want to play. Only time seniors usually want to play is when they need to like get some more stats to see if they could get like a professional contract or something. But like, I remember our seniors saying like, no, we don't want to go to this. But our coach was like, ah, like, let's go. We have a young, I think we only had two seniors, but we had a young core. So he wanted us to play more games together. Because when the season ends and you go into off season, there's not a lot of time in NCAA together. Mm-hmm. So it's like you could, you could use these tournaments to basically get more time together practicing, playing. But it's it's kind of a, a BS tournament, to be honest. But uh, they have them. So. <laughs> do, you, do you know about the tournament, Devante? Yeah, we played in the CIT my sophomore year. We had a bunch of seniors, and they wanted more contract videos. We lost first yeah. round at home. <laughs> it wasn't – we didn't want to play. You're mentally done. You know, you don't make it. You don't get out your conference. You don't do any – have no momentum. But, you know, the coach put us in it. We tried. We just lost. Mm-hmm. Ours was actually funny. So, like, after the season was done my sophomore year, I, I kind of knew, like, I'm probably not going to be back. So I went home because we actually got time off right after the season. And I went home and I was like not working out. I was kind of just like hanging out with friends. I thought our season was done. And then we got a message like, oh, we're going to play in this tournament. You guys got to come back. And I was so out of shape. And we were running and running and running. And I literally like my legs locked up. Like I had to to go get like IVs and all that. I remember looking like, what are we doing this for? Like, why are we here? <laughs> We're playing in the CBI. Like, no, man, we should be home. Like, but it is what it is. We got to play in it. So, yeah, I, 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 I saw. I looked that up, and I'm like, well, I don't never heard this about uh, the tournament in my, my whole life. I didn't even know that that stuff existed. I thought it was just NIT, and I thought it was not NIT. Um, what he said, NIT, NIT, yeah. NIT, and 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 the tournament. But I didn't even know there was like all these other tournaments as well. NCAA really be making money. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, your junior year, you went to Cleveland State, you know, transferred over to Cleveland State, which you kind of gave us a brief moment or a brief explanation as to why you transferred over there. But I think that was also the same time that you, that LeBron James came home as well. Can you talk to us about that whole atmosphere of Cleveland in itself? Cleveland was crazy about LeBron. Like, I remember when he first came back, the first game, the whole city was just up in a roar. You know, <laughs> like, streets were all shut down and, it was just, it was insane, but it was so fun. Like when we were there and they would have home games and stuff like that, you, you know, it was like a, a nice atmosphere to be around. And then also our team was pretty good that year. Like uh, we had uh, two really good seniors and then we had two really good juniors and um, two sophomores that were pretty solid. I think we ended up finishing like second or third in, in the regular season. So uh, it was a fun year, you know, and I learned a lot. Like I said, I learned a lot that year and, uh, it was good to be around those guys. So it was definitely fun. And being around the city with LeBron there was even better. You know, it was just a great time. That was the year that they won the championship, right? No, no, no. It was the following year. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Curious to know, though, because obviously you, you, you mentioned that you learned a lot of things from the seniors at Cleveland State and whatnot. But what are, what is one thing that Cleveland State did different than Illinois? Illinois State, I should say. Because I don't want anybody getting confused now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just had a tighter knit group of teammates you know what I mean and I think that had to do with um, a little bit of recruitment and, and stuff like that like after my sophomore my freshman year at Illinois State a lot of guys transferred out so you have to bring in guys and it's hard to get four-year guys right away so you have to go get um, 
you know, they're getting junior college guys, they're getting um, transfers. So it's hard to, you know, when you've already been at another school and you're kind of coming with that mentality, like, I've been somewhere else, I need to make this work, you know, and you probably look more inwards. But when you've been in the school for three years and, you know, you're around these guys a decent amount, now you start thinking team. And I think at Cleveland State, they had been around each other for so long enough where these guys were very like, okay, like, we need to do this together, you know, and I think that was the biggest thing. Was like, they're very cohesive and team-oriented and the coaches preached about team a lot more. I think that was the big difference, to be honest. You know, the biggest thing about that, too, is, is your next stop in your, in your college career. You know, you talk about team orientation or team orient and team, team togetherness and, and, and being a family. In 2015, you did exactly what LeBron James did the following year. You came home. You started, you started your, your career in the in U sport or whatever the hell you guys were at the time at Carleton University. Can you, can you walk us through why you decided to come back home to Canada? So initially, I was supposed to go to Carleton before I went to Cleveland State. So I transferred when okay. I transferred from, from uh, Illinois State. I was, you know, I was in like a little downtime. I couldn't really, you know, all Division One didn't want to re- recruit me. I wasn't, you know, didn't really have great stats. So uh, I was training with Kyle Julius actually, and then he was like, "Have you ever thought about going to U Sports?" I was like, "No, not really. I didn't really want it." The time was called CIS, and then I visited uh, Carleton, and I was, and it was amazing. But it, I was you know, a little out of shape. And, like, you can't be out of shape at Carlton because the you know, practices and stuff are just on a whole other level. So um, I remember that day I came back to back home and I was out of shape. And I asked my, my sister was going to Cleveland because she went to Cleveland State, my middle mm-hmm. sister. And uh, she was like, you want to come? You could come play open gym, you know, and stuff. So I went to go play open gym and I was killing. And the coaches saw so then he asked me, where are you going to school? And I said, oh, right now I just transferred. I was going to go back to Carl, no, school in Canada, but I have no Division One offers. And he's like, wait, what? So then that's why, that was the only reason why I even got into Cleveland. What? It was just some random, wow. like, yeah, wow. just some random open gym playing. And it was just like timing too. Um, Bryn Forbes, that plays for the Bucks, or now he plays for the Spurs. Mm-hmm. He had just transferred the week before. So that's the only reason why they had a oh, wow. scholarship. Yeah, so then after that, so I got to God is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, but initially, like, I was supposed to go to um, Carlton. And then it was crazy, too. Like, this is the Dave's, like, you know, me and Dave Smart, we were super, super close. Literally, we were just with him. But uh, I don't know how this man does it, but he just knows everything. Like, I don't know how. He knows where you are, everything that's going on. And basically, I hadn't told anybody yet. Like, I was going to Cleveland State. And then I just got a text like a week later, and it was like, "So you're going to Cleveland State?" I was like, "Who is this?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was Dave. You know, like, you know, like no, but he was actually very supportive about it. You know what I mean? He was like, "Listen, like that's your choice. I understand it. You know, good luck. You know, I wish you would have just had the conversation with me, but good luck, whatever, whatever." And then after I had my year at Cleveland State, and two guys transferred out. Like two of our starters transfer, our two seniors transfer are graduated. So, you know, we were going to be very young. And I kind of understood, like, man, like, I'm not trying to waste my senior year. So I called Dave and I was like, listen, I, I want to, I think I want to be a pro. So I talked to my Cleveland State coach. I asked him, I said, do you think I could be a pro? And he said, no. He said, I don't think you'd be a pro. He said, if you want to be a pro, you'd have to go to like a low level and probably be done in a couple of years. He said, I could even give you a GA job here if you want when you graduate. And then I called Dave and I said, do you think I could be a pro? And he said, right now, no, you're not a pro. He said, but in two years, if you come and you do the right things, I think you could be a high-level pro. You have the tools. 
sold me on that, and then I went home and I went back to Carlton, and history's history's made from there. Wow. You know, it sounds sound like you and you and uh, Dave Smart have a great relationship. But if you could if you could describe Dave Smart in one word, what would you say? That's a good question. This is a good question. Let me think. Hold on, hold on, Steven. Can we give him three adjectives? That's hard. <laughs> can, we, can we give him three adjectives, Steve? I don't know if you want to flush. Let's, let's hear. Let's hear. Uh, one word that I would describe Dave as is. He is <laughs> competitive. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the, I would want to say competitive because, uh, but honestly, I think the word, I don't even know the word I'm trying to say, but I would say a word that basically he's kind of like misinterpreted. I would say misinterpreted, misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think people see a certain aspect of him, but it's like they don't see the work that he's put in with us to then be able to do. You know what I mean? Like, they just see the Dave Smart that was yelling at me when I was on the court. But they don't see the Dave Smart that was waking up at 6 a.m. to come shoot with me in the gym and doing the little things, you know what I mean, to make sure I was in a good position or making sure, you know what I mean? Like, he's misinterpreted in the sense of, like, people only see one side of him when you have to really get to know him to really understand him as a person, you know? Yeah, Troy, Troy, give me a few. uh, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, is he the Tom Thibodeau of the NBA? <laughs> I was going to say Popovich. I always say Popovich, to be honest. Because, like, people probably think Popovich is a little bit of, like, you know, a little mean and whatnot. But I feel like his players are always like, nah, we love him. And he kind of always gets the players that are a little quirky and a little different, but they're successful, you know? So it works. I've I've heard a few stories from Troy, you know, even when, when we're coaching our kids, you know, Troy's looking at these guys and, and, and he says, you know, if Dave Smart was here, he'd, he'd, you know, cuss every single one of them out respectfully. But, you know, he, uh, <laughs> I've, I've never been coached by, by Dave, but I guess only Carlton guys will understand what, what, you know, Troy meant by that and what you mean by competitive or misunderstood. But, you know, dur- during your time, sorry, I know that, I know that you talked about earlier saying that you went to Dave's office and you called, you called him and asked him, can I be a pro? What is something that Coach Dave Smart has taught you outside of basketball? How to be a leader, how to be a true competitor, how to be confident, how to be independent, how to be resilient. You know what I mean? There's this majority of stuff, like, obviously, basketball-wise, he's a genius, and he knows things about basketball that, it's ridiculous, but honestly, like, there's nothing nobody I feel now could do to me that would, that he hasn't prepared me for, you know what I mean? Like, when I'm overseas now and certain coaches, they try to do certain things, in my head, like, I laugh, like, it's like, come on, like, I've been through this, and I've been through it a lot worse than what you're trying to do, you know? But you can see how it, other of my teammates that haven't been through these positions you know, they can't handle and They play at high, high, high major schools, you know what I mean? Power, mm-hmm. like, you know, Pac-12, the Big Ten, and stuff like that. So I think he's just, he's prepared us in a way that, for life, that nobody else could really prepare us for. We've got a few more questions here for you before, before we, get, we get to our closing game. But I got to ask you, though, during your time at Carleton, you won a national championship. After everything you went through with NCAA, 
Talk to us about what winning a national championship meant to you. I won two, but... <laughs> With some respect. Uh, <laughs> I won two, but... Uh, hold, on, be, be, one... hold on, hold on, hold on. Be, be, before I say anything, man, this is the second time, Devontae. This is the second time where, where I talk about somebody's accolades and they're like, yo, 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 I only won one? No, no, I won two. <laughs> Josh Collins called me out of that shit too, bro. Josh Collins called uh, me out too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won two. No, the first one was really... Was the best one to be honest because we didn't have Dave. We had he was on a sabbatical year. We had Rob Smart, who the second the second or first best coach I ever had. You know, very similar. Um, we just lost Phil and Tommy Scrub, so everybody was saying like this is a rebuilding year. Like I remember in the article before when I signed or when I got to Carlton, I cut it out and I put it in my locker and it said the rebuilding year for Carlton basketball, but the year for athletics at Carlton. And in the article it said. Without Dave, without Tommy, without Phil, can Carlton Basketball do it again? And it said, like, yes, we have the tra- Division One transfer, and Connor Wood was the other, like, our next best player. No, yeah, Connor Wood, and it said, but they're not Phil and Tommy. And I cut it out, and I highlighted it, and then stuck that in my locker, and you know what I mean? And I was just focused on, like, you know? So I remember, like, after we won, it was just, like, a relief, you know? And then my second year, we were, honestly, we were just – way better than everybody else in a sense like <laughs> there's just we were just very talented like we had me at the one we had Connor Wood who was the player of the year we had Eddie Ekior who transferred from Xavier we had Joe Rocco coming off the bench who was leading the OUA and scoring at one point we had Iman Uatua that was division one transfer Ryan Edgen that was you know what I mean so like we were just really 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 good so I was never like like it was obviously nice to win, but it wasn't nearly as fun as the first year, to be honest. Troy was there for your sec- for for both of them too, right? No, Troy came in the year after I left. So oh, when I okay. left, he so, came in. So he got his own as well. Okay, okay. There you go. There you yeah. go. You know, but I I, I do want to ask you though. You know, that there there was a whole article on on Phil Scrub. I don't even really think they really talked too much about uh, his brother, but Phil Scrub, you know, just. Being a Carlson guy, being an uh, uh, NBA product, as they say, an overseas guy, uh, Europe guy, he's a pro. Uh, do you think that Dave Smart is able to take guys that are not such pros and then turn them into complete pros? Well, yeah, I think what I think with Phil, Phil naturally was had certain things that he was really, really good at. And then when you partner him with Dave, um, you know, he was obviously able to do. And you have Aaron Dornikamp, Oswaldo Jonti, Tommy, you know, other guys that have He's been able to do that with. But to be honest, for me, I think the one that, like with my situation, if I didn't go to Carlton, I wouldn't be playing basketball anymore. You know, I'd probably be working. You know what I mean? And that's just reality. Like, I wasn't good enough. Like, that's just the honest truth. I wasn't a good basketball player. And I got to Carlton, and they taught me how to become a really good basketball player with work ethic, with how to read basketball. Like, until I got to Carlton, I didn't know how to read a ball screen ever. I didn't know what certain respacing was I didn't know you know what I mean and I understand it like in the division one aspect I think with those coaches it's a tough job because they need to recruit and they need to be really really good and they need to either win in three years to promote themselves or if they don't win in three years they get fired so it's like we need the best player right now you know what I mean so they don't really have time to develop at the rate that they should be but at Carlton you're going to get everybody for four or five years so you could develop these guys and get them into a position where they could be, you know, the best versions of themselves. So I think that was the, the biggest thing was like, for me was, yeah, we wouldn't be pros. We probably wouldn't be pros if we 
didn't go to Carlton, you know what I mean? Because we wouldn't have been able to have the time and the effort and the emotions that they put into us to become pros. And that takes time. And they were willing to do that for all of us. Well, you were definitely able to, to continue that pro basketball career. You know, you moved on to the Raptors down 05. And <laughs> coincidentally, you won another championship there too. You just keep winning championship after championship after championship. I guess it must be something in, in the air with you. But, but talk to us about winning, you know, going from Carlton where you won two national championships and then winning a 905 championship. Which one was A, more special for you? And also, if you could, put, if you could compare the both of them, which one meant or had a more significant amount to you? Um, well, in the, in the G League, we won the Eastern Conference. We lost in the finals, which was very tough. But we did win the Eastern Conference, and that was really big. You know what I mean? Um, I think, obviously, for me, uh, I would say winning at Carlton was the biggest one because I'm surrounded by, like, my best friends. My, you know what I mean? It was just a different different thing. Like, we had been working all year, and this is our only goal. And when you add a professional into it, it's a little different. You know what I mean? You guys are getting paid. You guys have different attributes. But um, it still meant a lot to get to the finals and, you know, win the Eastern Conference and, play for a, a very good coach in Jerry Stackhouse and be alongside um, Aaron Best, who now me and have, have a great relationship with, and then also being coached by Nate Mitchell, who now is assistant for the Raptors. Um, yeah, I think that year was just such a great learning experience. And another coincidental situation, how I even got onto that team, to be honest, was like uh, I was getting into it with my agent. <laughs> you know, uh, agents, very important thing. For anybody that's trying to play pro, you should make sure you get the right agent. Um, Shout out Mike George. My agent. Yeah, I was getting into it with uh, my agent at the time because I had left the U Sports. I was, you know, an all-Canadian, and I seen other U Sports guys getting contracts. And I was like, what's going on? I went and I played the university team, the Canadian university team. I led the whole tournament in scoring. Still don't have a contract. So I'm like, you know, something's getting weird. So I was still home in September, October. And when I was home, basically, like, Nathaniel Mitchell, who is my trainer, and, you know, he's a very good family friend and coached me and stuff. He basically said, like, listen, the Raptors, Toronto Raptors are having, like, mini camp. So they had, like, all, like, the rookies and sophomores, and they have, like, the training camp guys, and they needed, like, extra bodies. So then they were like, you know, we need extra couple bodies to come work out. Do you want to come work out? And I said, like, yeah, I'll come here. I'll come play. And then I was just, I, was, I don't know what I was on, but I was, like, cooking this whole time. And Jerry Sackles was there. And he was like, yo, do you want to play nine of five? And I was like, sure. And that was how I got my first contract, was literally just like going to an open gym, playing, you know what I mean, and playing really well. That's, and then I got the, you know what I mean? They're like, okay, well, you could do it this way. And then I got that contract to the 905 and went to the, uh, went to the trial, like the training camp, played well again, and was on the team. So it was just like coincidental, you know? Wow. Yeah, well, honestly, it's, it's kind of weird. With all my contracts, like, I was my first two. Even with my contract in Holland, at the time, I had just switched agents. Um, I was playing on the national team, and we were playing on the, I played on the A team. And this was, like, I had played with them for the whole year, but this was the tournament I wanted to play in the most because we were going to play in Toronto, so my family was going to see, and then we were going to play in Ottawa. So all my friends were mm. going to see. So I was like, okay, I want to play this. I want to play this. I was like going hard in training camp <laughs> but then uh they cut me the day before we left to go to play the game in toronto so i was like mm -hmm. in my room i was pissed and then um nathaniel mitchell was coaching we had like a canada b team for the week 
and they were going to play China. And he was like, yo, do you want to play? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm kind of sad. I'm kind of upset with what the situation was. And I called Dave. And he's like, you're here. You might as well go do it. You know what I mean? So I went and I played and I killed. I had like 32 or something like that. And they put the thing on you. They put the tape on YouTube. And then my team in Holland saw it. So like literally my contract was just off of something where I was literally not going to go. And then they were just like, oh, come play, you know. And then my club was like, yeah, like we want you off of that one tape. So it's been, been an interesting kind of thing. This podcast is definitely sponsored by God. <laughs> your entire, well, not entire, but your entire college basketball career other than Illinois State really sounds like God is watching over you right now, man. Like your college career, your, your pro career, like, bro, you just sound like you just have so many factors that God is literally just protecting you and, and putting you in scenarios for you to succeed and for you to continue with whatever it is with regarding basketball. So this is definitely like, if people don't believe in God, this is truly showing you like God is good. God is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My grandmother's a praying woman. Too. Yes, that's a big one. Stay prepared. Yeah, that's the big I mean. one. Like if you, if you decide to come out of shape or negativity, decide to take the negativity before the positive, you know, you never know what happened, but you, you, you went for each each chance or each opportunity, each obstacle, and you, you seized it. So that's also a big factor as well. Yeah, but I tried to tell these guys, like, when we were in Puerto Rico, I was talking to where I'm talking to these young guys over there. And I'm like, listen, you guys don't know who's watching or what's going on ever. You know I mean? You don't know. Just come, just play hard, see what happens. One of the kids literally didn't have a contract, just came. They called him last minute, comes into the training camp, plays hard, gets the coach. Our head coach knows a coach in Germany that needs a three-man, calls him, yo, I have a guy for you. Ships him out right away. So that's like, you know, it's just who you know, right timing and being prepared. And everybody doesn't get those opportunities because they're not ready for when, it, when it's time to put when the lights are on, you know, so. What's, what's, cra what's crazy about that, you talk about being ready when the lights are on you and everything. Now we're now you just said, you know, you, you went to Netherlands in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct? Or am I, am I mistaken? Yeah, yeah. Netherlands, I went to the Netherlands. So, so you go to Netherlands and Devontae, guess what? Guess, guess, guess what he does? He wins another championship. <laughs> He, not only did he win another championship, but he wins the finals MVP. Now, two-parter, two-parter, and I'm going to talk about Germany, and Devontae's on to you. But my, my two questions for you is this. Do personal accolades matter to you, and how cool was that championship? Uh, personal accolades, to me, don't really matter, especially when I was in college and stuff like that. Like, it's nice for my mom. She, she takes them, she puts them up on the wall in the house. And when people come over, she talks about them. But for me, it's always been about winning because at the end of the day, especially in Europe, if you win and you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to get paid. Like, they want winners at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Especially top-level teams. If you want to play in, like, the bottom-level teams and, you know what I mean, you put up your points and you always remain with those type of contracts, and yeah, you know what I mean? You always have a job. But if you're really trying to, like, climb the rope, climb up the ladder and get to the point where you want to get to, it's all about winning. You know what I mean? And I think that was the main thing. Um, and with winning with that club, it was it was nice because they had never won before. Um, they brought me in and they they gave me the ball and they said, listen, like, we're going to let you play and we're going to let you do what you do. Just don't take advantage of it and do and play hard. And I did that. And I was surrounded by good players. One of my really good friends actually uh, – 
was there. Now he plays in Poland too. And so, yeah, it was just a good situation. And, you know, like you said, God blessed him to put me in that position. So, wow. Man, I wish, I wish that, you know, I, I wish, I'm so happy to have you on this show today because honestly, bro, like we have a lot of kids that listen to our podcast and they, both Devontae and myself talk to these kids and try to tell them all the time, you know, you never know who's watching. You never know what opportunity can come your way. And this podcast today is truly a testament to what we've spoken to these kids about. So honestly, bro, like to you to even kind of give these stories, man, it's, it's, it's remarkable that, that we can have somebody like you on our show to talk about this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely happy for that. One thing I want to ask you, though, one last thing I want to ask you, then Devontae, it is on to you. You know, you, you head over to Germany in 2019, 2020, you know, then obviously you went to France uh, this past season. Two completely different countries, lifestyle and basketball teaching. What was your basketball experience like in both uh, France and Germany? Um, Germany is, is really nice. They, they take really good – well, both countries take really good care of you. Germany, um, the basketball is a little more rugged, like – for instance, their four man and their five man are probably more strong, like um, in, more intellectual in how they play and, and things like that. And um, in France, you have a lot more athleticism. You have a lot more speed. It's a little more transition. You know, you have your top teams that are very tactical, but after that, it's probably a little more like, you know, uh, G League kind of style. But in Germany, it's, it's you know what I mean? Because they're not as athletic, the teams and they don't really get the top top um americans they kind of have to be very like strategic with everything so that was the difference and then also in germany i played on a team that uh, was kind of like middle to bottom of the pack so that was kind of tough and coming from a year where you just won coming from a school where you win a lot now you're not winning as much that was a mental uh something i had to get past you know but in france we were like really 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 good and i think without injuries we could have finished top three top four in the league you know so um, championship yeah yeah that was honestly like I think we could have definitely competed to be in a position to win a championship if we were all healthy mm -hmm. so I think those are two different and then culturally wise I think in Germany I was like literally in the middle of nowhere like it was it was tough it's hard yeah, you had one grocery store in the whole town you know I was part it was a city called Weisenfels was two hours, two and a half hours from Berlin and about an hour from uh, Leipzig, which is the next biggest city. But it was like, you know, a little, a different city, you know, but in France, I'm in a really, really nice city. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of the 24-hour car race. Uh, it's called the Le Mans car race. Well, that, that's where my city is. So like, they have a lot of tourism and, and stuff like that. It's nice. And I'm only 45 minutes from Paris. So that's good too. Nice. Devo, take us away, man. All right. We always like to end this show with a game called um, In a Perfect World. So I'm very interested because you have a very unique career. Now, what I'm going to do is literally give you a, a scenario. You're literally just going to fill in the blanks. We good with that? Good. Let's hear it. All right. So, you know what? Let's put you at car. No. Well, you're back in high school, right? In this perfect utopia. And, oh, sorry, huge point. Don't mind me and Steven on our phones. You know what, Steven? We technically can't play today. <laughs> we technically can't play today. But 
Don't mind Steven. He's going to be I texting me. Don't mind him on his phone because he's going to try to fill in these blanks. We usually play for a little pocket change, but I don't think okay. we can do that today since I'm on my phone. But anyways, we won't do you're that. out of high school, right? Yeah. And you have every offer in the world. You have to do what you, you did, what you had to do. You're a five-star recruit. You have every school in the world. Yeah, you can't pick Illinois State. You can't pick Steve, Cleveland State. Which school would you go to? NCAA. Uh, I'd go to Arizona. I'm probably, yeah, I'd go to Arizona for sure. Um, really good point guard university. Obviously, Mike Bibby went there. My second close, close, close. It'd be a tough. I'd have to, you know, crystal ball, like, pick the hat at the last moment. It would be Michigan State. My sister went there, and, like, I grew up basically going to that campus every day, you know. So those two would probably be my, my okay. one to go to. Okay, so let's so put you as a wildcat. You're a wildcat. <laughs> Pac-12 pack all-freshman team, first team. You do what you have to do there as well. One and done. And as you know, as it goes, you know how it goes. You start seeing yourself on the lottery, right? You cannot pick Toronto. You cannot pick Toronto. I'm taking it out, right? Which team, if you had the why choice? Why do you do that? Team? Why? Why do you do that? Why <laughs> because, pick Toronto? Because because you what if you want to go to Toronto? This is a utopia. This is a utopia. What if, what if it hit utopia? You want to go to Toronto? I'm taking it out. I'm taking it out for this one. Any team in the NBA, obviously you can't pick, but you can kind of, when you go to see the front office, you can verbally say in these interviews, oh, this one, that one, you know how it goes, <laughs> right? Yeah. In this utopia, you get to pick where you want to go, except for Toronto. Where would you go? Uh, and I'm going to play? Like, I don't have to go to the G League? Yeah, no, you're going to play. I'm going to Miami. Good taxes, good weather. And if I don't have to go to G League, that means I don't got to go to Shoe Falls. I just be in Miami the whole time. This guy's thinking. This guy's thinking. <laughs> this guy's thinking. Now, most interesting part that I'm excited about. I wish I could hold on this, but um, you're done your rookie contract. You're the main player on this team. Forget about the the Butlers and the heroes and the and the Lawries <laughs> now, right? You're the main player after your rookie contract. Your four years. This is a great situation because Miami has great luxury tax. You have two all-stars. You can pull two players you can bring on your team or try to. Here are the rules. And for the sake of this, since we just had the draft, I'm going to do this now. So the first player could either be somebody that just got drafted or the second year. So the Anthony Edwards, that class, right? Or your second mm -hmm. player is anybody after the third year, <laughs> right? So we're gonna do it because he. Did, this is a special one because we just had the we just had the draft. So this is the first one yeah. we'll be doing, but we'll do this from now on. So again, one of your players, the first player has to be just drafted, or the second year, or um, the the next player could be anybody after that. Who would you pick? You are the point guard. We're playing around you. I'm picking Jokic as. My second pick, and as my young pick, I'm picking Anthony Edwards, probably. I would have had some money today, God. <laughs> I would have had some money today. Why Jokic? We have not got that yet. He's the best passing big. He can play in the pocket, so I come off a ball screen. And you have to honor him as a shooter, so when I come off a ball screen, they can't just, you know, so I can get down and I can shoot off of it. Um, if we're in trouble, we can always just throw the ball on the post to him. You can play and see how it goes. Um, he's not a high maintenance guy, so it's not like a guy that I'd have to deal with his ego. I'd have to deal with 
him not doing the right things. He's just going to come in and do his job. You know, so I think that would be like easily because I'm not really a guy that wants to deal with like the headaches. You know, I don't want to come in, do your job, do what you got to do, and let's go home. You know, me feel I feel like that's how he is. I'm liking the logic here today, Steve. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I'm liking the logic here today. That's the first time you got Jokic, but we know for everybody that knows your game, we know you're really superb in the pick and roll. Well, I guess pick and pop in this case, so that would be a great combo. That's all. I, oh, last question. Obviously, we're in summer league right now, but let's just say the NBA is on regular season. Who's some of those players that, you know what, I'm going to turn the TV on today and I'm going to watch these players? Uh, I don't watch too much NBA, to be honest, but the guys I do like watching, I like watching Luka Doncic. I like watching Chris Paul. I like watching Damian Lillard. But when I'm watching, I usually watch European basketball. So the European guys I like watching are like Nick Latis, um, Sergio Rodriguez, Kevin Pangos, obviously, very, very good. But those are like the European guys that I like watching. Okay. You know what I mean? So. Okay. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a feel right now. You watch a lot of point guards, actual point guards. You know, other Damian Lewis is only like real scoring point guard out, out of them. Don't start. But... Don't start. Don't start. <laughs> Don't start. I don't know how you can argue with me right now that he's not the only scoring point guard out of all the guys he just mentioned. Yeah, don't, try to, don't try to count him out. Anyways, continue. <laughs> all I was saying was that, just, listen, you counted, you counted out my Toronto Raptors, okay? You, try, you counted out Toronto Raptors. So we can, we, we can be even right now. If but, I could get drafted <laughs> to the Raptors, I don't even know. Well, I would love, obviously, if I could put on any team in the NBA, I'd want But the taxes those guys get, my God. Taxes in Toronto and the, the taxes in the West Coast teams, like L.A., my God. Okay. 50% is gone. New so York, they're, signing for, they're signing for 20 mil, but they're only seeing 10, 11. But when you're in Miami, you're signing for 20, and you might see 17, 16. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But like I was saying, though, you know, it, it definitely seems like you, you like to watch a lot of point guards, which is definitely good to see. Uh, but I want to I want to conclude the show right now, and then we ask all of our guests this final question to conclude the show. Who is somebody that you like to see on Talk Your Exposure? But here's the kicker, though: you got to help us get them on the show. I like I like somebody you said earlier today. I've been trying to get him on for a while, but he hasn't responded back to me. Even one of his sister coaches messaged me too, saying that he would jump on. But I like that person, by the way. Who is it? I'll reach out to him. I, I can't say the name. That's uh, let's let's see who you, let's see who uh, who you'll say. Fair. I don't even know. Uh, Kevin? Was it Kevin Pangos? No. No. Uh, I mean, uh, somebody I would like to see on the show. Let's see. So let, let me let me backtrack on that. Yes, I would like to see Kevin Pangos on the show, but it wasn't <laughs> him that you said. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I could. I would like to see like any of my guys, like McCall, Dwayne, Troy, any of them come on. You know, what I mean, that'd be pretty sweet. Maybe even get all four of us on or something like that. That'd be pretty sweet. That actually would no, be. Uh, what, 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 what do you guys, OTF? OTF or whatever, OFT? OFT. Got that one in like grade <laughs> nine, I think. <laughs> OFT. That's, that's a special group right there. For the guys my age, that we used to watch you guys growing up. We definitely, Kyle's a character in himself, but I'll leave that to Steven. <laughs> if you could get on we, this show, Steven, my guy is something else. We had Dwayne on the show already, and Troy said straight up, he's like, you know, we all know Troy's not a not a not a guy like that. We know Troy's not a guy to come on the show like that. But honestly, I think all four of you guys 
would definitely bring a different atmosphere to, to, to the group. And, you know, Troy likes to banter a little back and forth. And I, and I feel like all four of you guys would have a lot of good insights. So that would that'd be funny to have. And we'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. Uh, yeah, I think but, that would be real funny. Be real funny, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got, I got, I got to thank you again for your time. You know, but we got to ask you though, what can we find you on social media, man? Um, I actually just got my Twitter hack, so that's actually funny that you asked that. So <laughs> don't follow me on Twitter, everybody. That's <laughs> the end of this. Wow. Uh, Instagram, just Kaze. I think it's just Kaze Keen or Kaze Kajami Keen. Um, that's the only real thing I use, to be honest. And I'm not really on there too, too much. I try to stay off it as much. But uh, yeah, that's 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 probably it. But yo, can you tell me who is the person? I'm I'm actually gonna reach out to them. Who was it that you said? That's Nate there. Mitchell. Nate. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to Nate. I'll see. You know. Yeah. He's a, hey, he's a tough guy to get in contact with, though. Like, not, and the thing is too. The thing is too. He's not like like he's not like. You no, know, some people be like, oh, they're trying to like big time. He's actually just busy. Like he's always working people out. He's always just in the gym. Like literally, I'll text him and be like, yo, I'm in the gym. I'm like Nate. No, take a like, yeah, take a break, man. Like always oh, in the gym. <laughs> nah, he's not like that. Like if you actually you know reach out and got in contact, I think he definitely would be interested in doing something. He likes talking and basketball, you know. Willie, Willie, uh, what's his name? No, J sorry, J uh, Coach Jay Hernandez from the Charlotte Hornets. He gave me his contact information, and that's how you know we were we were supposed to get connected that way. So you know, to be honest with you, because uh, I guess he got busy, like you said, he'd been in the gym and everything, so. I reached out to him ironically this morning and uh, tried yeah. to try to follow up, but I feel like he has a different email now considering that one was at, at charlottehornets.com yeah. before. So. <laughs> true, true. But uh, yeah. but please, again, man, you know we 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 want to thank you for your time. Honestly, in my opinion, I don't know about the body, but in my opinion, this is the best one we've had. Uh, just based on on the stories you've had, just based on your 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 experiences and how you got to where you got to, man. We haven't really had people on the show to talk about the experiences that you've had. And the accomplishments you had, and the in the, everything in general you've kind of been through, and 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 been able to talk about. So we really thank you for your time. We really appreciate you jumping on the show with us today, man. It was it was a, it was a pleasure meeting you last week, and we hope to be able to see more of you down the line, man. No worries, man. I appreciate. It. Anytime I could do stuff like this, I love doing it. You know, it's, we're talking about basketball. I love talking about basketball, and hopefully, kids can listen to it and it helps them all. Like we saw last week, like I love going back and seeing like who's playing and you know what I mean, and seeing how it's going. So anytime, anytime, anything. If anybody on that list just wants to reach out, just reach out to you and I can try and connect with them as well. Appreciate you, man. Yeah.